This morning we will go to the word. And personally I want to thank God for day one, first of June 2008 as a church till today. He has never failed me in receiving the word from him. I can never say I was faithful. But I can never say he was unfaithful. He has always, always given me the word for his people. Father, this morning, I want to thank you. I thank you for your faithfulness. I was not the real shepherd. You were the shepherd. If you hadn't been there, I would have probably fed them junk. Fed their flesh. Caused them to walk in the ways of destruction. But because you were the true shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep, every morning when I sought you, every day when I sought you, you gave me the word. You knew my weakness. You knew my weakness was the word. You did not call me because I was strong in the word. You called me because I was weak in the word. But in your weak, my weakness, I have experienced year after year, Sunday after Sunday, the strength of the living God, the power of the living God, the faithfulness of the living God. And I believe even this morning, you will be faithful because that's who you are. Your name is true and faithful. Speak to us, Lord. Speak to us. You took the word to the ends of the world. It was a promise you gave me 28 years ago. I didn't know how it would happen or whether it would happen. But you were true to your promise. So this morning, before I speak one word from your word, I release the word into thy hands. It will not come back void. It will achieve the purpose for which it is being sent forth. It will set captives free. As you said on your first day of preaching, we preach deliverance. The captives shall be set free. The blindfold shall fall off. The blind shall see. The deaf shall hear. And there will be salvation on earth. And the knowledge of God will continue to fill this earth. And in the midst of chaos and turmoil and anxiety, uncertainty, your word will go forth. And your people will know, will know, God has spoken. And God is in their midst. And God is in control. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, we worship you, we glorify you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. This morning, first I want to go to Luke chapter 11 and verses 11 to 13. And then Matthew, Matthew 6 and verses 9 to 10. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, Will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? 
if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will your heavenly your heavenly father give the holy spirit to those who ask him in matthew 6 in this manner therefore pray our father in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven today's father's day and this is a real father this is a real father harry this is the real father this is a true father your eternal father the other fathers have a timeline they will not be there around forever but there is a father and the word of god says the whole family on earth takes its name from our father in heaven so let let this be his day the real father's day two weeks ago when i brought the word of the lord to you i said we believe for salvation <clears throat> but we struggle with trust the word of god says trust the lord with all your heart we struggle with trust all human problems are connected with trust we struggle to trust children struggle to trust fathers fathers and mothers struggle to trust children spouses struggle to trust each other the issue of trust and the issue of trust began because the first father failed you need to appropriate blame where it belongs if man is the head of the house then the blame belongs at the head that's when god came searching in the garden he didn't go to eve he went to man the first question is where are you where are you the question even today god asks the fathers is where are you where are you all the problems you see in the world including the riots on the streets is because of missing fathers the word of the father is not valued anymore the fathers are not able to restrain the children anymore that's not our heavenly father that is not our heavenly father and when jesus was asked teach us to pray he said this is how you need to pray he brings the father back into the picture and he said this is how you need to pray not like we pray almighty god but heavenly father our father in heaven I wish all of us could could really really trust God and trust our father in heaven. I'm telling you today <clears throat> if you decide and you ask God to help you and you learn to trust your father in heaven your life would be so radically changed so completely changed. You will learn to live without fear. you will learn 
in uncertain times to be very certain. Because that's who God is. The Bible says there is no shadow of turning with me. He's the God of light, the Father of light. Every perfect and good thing comes from above. And when Jesus said, this is how you need to pray to your Father. He said, your Father's name, hallow, value, honor, rever your Father's name. Your Father's name, your Father's reputation matters. To everyone sitting here, every one of you come from a home. Come from a home. Rever your Father's name. Honor your Father's name. And above all, our heavenly Father's name. His kingdom come. His kingdom come. His will be done on earth. We say, God is good. And what is the response? All the time. Do you really believe? Do we really believe God is good all the time? Do you really believe? All the time God is good. That's what I said. Some of our confessions. Do we really believe that God is good all the time? What about his will? This is how Jesus said, this is how you need to pray. And then to the spirit of God through Apostle Paul In Romans 12, verse 2, he will say, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove, know, for sure, prove, what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Do you believe the will of God is perfect for every child of his in this world? Sitting here. It's perfect. It's just not good. It is perfect. Can we actually pray with faith? Lord, I know who you are. I trust you. I understand this is the nature of your will, Lord. I don't want anything outside your will. I want everything in your will. Because I understand your will for me is good. It's acceptable or pleasing. And it is perfect. I want your will in my life. God has a specific purpose and plan and will for every child of his. There are things that are common for all of us. And there is something specific the father has for everyone. My father had. Every father also has their own dreams for their children, right? He sets children apart. Like my father was like, Medicine, engineering, Indian parents, no, medicine, engineering. But I was kept aside for something else. Right from primary school, he used to tell me, I've set you apart for civil service. And he wouldn't believe I was preparing for it from middle school. That's how my GK is so good. Living in a country where there is no newspaper, and no television, and no radio. You could almost ask the capital of any country, I could just say it. Because in class 6 I knew it. Because that's what I was prepared for. And before I finished my class 2, I had already picked up my options, what I will do for my civil services. Because fathers also have their, their 
dreams, purpose and will. And no father will say, I'm expecting to be a beggar on the road. No, every father has a dream, a vision for his children. Of course, I'm in the civil service, in his kingdom service. Because one father overruled the other father's will. And it came to pass. So I am in the civil service. But what I want to tell you is this. Please remember this. God has a will for everyone. And it is perfect. It is perfect. So next time when Jesus said, this is how you need to pray. You pray from your heart. Father, I only want your will in my life. Please, Father, I do not want anything outside your will. And if some of the things which I say may sound very good to my ears, but is outside your will, deny it. Because I know, if you answer it, I'm receiving something that is second best. And I will miss the best. Because I see a word here, it says, perfect. When God says perfect, you cannot improve on it. You simply cannot improve on it. God has a perfect will for everyone. And that's why we preach. The two things the church has done for 14 years. We pray, we preach. Remember the apostles had said in the church, in the book of Acts, remember when there was an issue over food. And the other thing we do is we eat a lot. Continuously we've been eating for 14 years. We are known for our preaching and our eating. Okay. And incidentally, our church is full of fantastic cooks and bakers. Any dish you want from any country, they will make it. If they don't know it, they'll watch a YouTube video and make it. The will of God. That's why we preach. That's why we pray. It is a will of Why do we preach? Why do we pray? Because these are two, what we call, ways in which our mind is transformed. A mind is transformed through the word and through prayer. That we are able to see, understand, and prove the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. For all of you, who faithfully did not listen to the pastor's conference message. Because people can be faithful in many things. I would like you, because I know many of you are from Britain, you don't understand Telugu well, but it's called tongue-in-cheek, okay? I would like you to listen to the message, because I'm not going to get back, though I will go through it quickly, but I want you to listen to that message, because we looked at five Fundamental aspects of God's will. Five fundamental aspects of God's will. Which is common for everybody. From the day you are saved till the day it finishes. You cross over into judgment. Fall asleep here, wake up there for judgment. These five has to continuously continue in your life. These five. When you continue in this five, I'm promising you with the authority of the word of God, you will discover the perfect will of God. The first will of God, the first will of God, God says in first, second Peter, 
3.9, he says, It is the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing. He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Why are you here? If you are saved, it's because you crossed the first will of God. The word of God met you somewhere. God's spirit convicted your heart. You responded to that conviction. You repented. You turned. Believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the first will of God came to pass. That's the first will of God. It is God's desire. No one should perish. That's a sovereign desire. Many will perish. That's what the word of God says. Many will pray. But that was never God's desire. Don't ever think that God willed people to hell. No. People willed themselves to hell. God never willed. It was never his will that anyone should perish. All of us have. Many in our households who are not still saved. So you can pray for the salvation of the unsaved loved ones. Knowing it is the will of God. That no one should perish. You can bring to his remembrance, Lord, I heard in church today. According to your word, it is written in Second Peter chapter 3, 9. You do not wish anybody to perish. This one, this one, this one, this one, this one, this one, this one. Names are here. So many names are. I don't read the names out. So many names from different people for people in their homes to be saved. And it is not God's will. Let anyone perish. That's his first one. Once you are saved from the penalty of sin and brought out of the world into the kingdom of God, this is God's desire. His will. I don't want to put it as a desire. It's a much milder word. His will for every saved child of his. This is the will of God. Your sanctification. Repentance will continue all your life. Each time we are hearing the word, we are putting aside some wrong idea, notion, and removing it and replacing it with the word of God. So repentance is constant. Turning away, turning towards. Turning away, turning towards. Sanctification is constant. All the way. This is the will of God. Your sanctification. Your sanctification. First sanctification is coming out of the world. Second sanctification is coming out of people whom God tells you to leave. The third part of sanctification is being united with God. Coming out and united with. This will continue. Sanctification will continue. So those who are being saved, those who are being sanctified, the third will of God is that we serve him. We serve him. To that, we offer our minds, first our bodies, wholly acceptable. We offer our minds and our minds after they are being transformed and transformed. If you know Romans 12, 1, 1 and 2. 3 onwards is talking about service. And to serve him, God gives us different gifts, but he also gives us faith and grace. So by faith, through grace, we serve him. We serve him. In Ephesians 2 and verse 10, we says, when we start understanding the will of God, we start doing the good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. 
for every child of us and all his children god has a set of works which are common and there are a set of works which is specific which only you can do if you fail to do we will get somebody else to do it for you but it was you who was meant to do it this works he had prepared even before the foundation of the world was laid i am saved i am being sanctified and i am serving god and god does this i have to do it because i have been given a will in the letter to timothy paul to a young man this is what he says in second timothy in the great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver also wood and clay some for honor some for dishonor now he's telling us if anyone cleanses himself from the latter don't bring dishonor to your father in heaven hallowed be thy name hallowed be thy name. don't bring dishonor to your father whatever we do on earth it does not matter in heaven it is seen as our father's children doing so either we bring him honor or the demons mock says look at your children they are mocking your name that's why jesus said be careful even the greatest of greats in the old covenant can dishonor god we heard about that if you have been listening when moses the second time is told because the children the children of israel are crying out for water and they're shouting and they're screaming and they're upset because there is no water this is what god told moses speak to the rock to give water moses lost his temper and he struck the rock and the water came God still quenched the thirst of the people and the cattle but this is what God said because you did not hallow my name in the front of the people don't look at the result God is a merciful God because we do something and in his mercy he may answer it but we can dishonor him because we did not carefully listen to what he was saying What did he say? Speak. What did the man of God do? Strike. Don't strike when he has said speak. Hallowed be thy name. He says if you, if you, he says, okay, we know the scripture, Numbers 20:12, okay? Okay. If you cleanse yourself himself from the latter, he will be a vessel of honor. Sanctified, useful for the master, prepared for every good work saved sanctified serving god in this world and if a young man a teenager young man chooses to cleanse himself he becomes a vessel of honor in the hands of god does it matter how many times you repeat it it's still true Why did Daniel become one of the greatest vessels of God in the Babylonian empire because of one decision he made in the beginning he chose he purposed in his heart i will not defile myself and you look the 12 chapters of daniel look at the number of kings that appear chapter after chapter after chapter kings come and kings go dispensations come and dispensations go there is one man standing before every king and serving why because he became a vessel of honor in the hand of god 
And when he is thrown into the den of lions, because he refused to compromise on God, early morning when the king comes and when he cries out, Daniel, servant of the most high God, you know what he says? You who serve your God continuously. A Gentile king is acknowledging this man will serve his God continuously. If there is a royal edict from the king which goes against his God, he will go against that edict but will never stop serving his God. He was a vessel of incredible honor in the hands of his God. That's what God is talking about. Not only now, even in eternity. In eternity we will see Daniel and all occupying great positions in the eternal kingdom of the Father. We'll see them. Because of choices they made when they were young men. Young people. Solomon would say, no, serve your creator in the days of your youth. The third, fourth thing, the will of God, which we do not like, but receive it. You don't have to like everything which God says, but receive it, because it's the will of God. If you are going to serve Christ here, and not yourself, not your will, not your desires, not what you want, but you have decided today is the day. It's going to mark a transition in my life. June the 19th, the year of the Lord, 2022, I decided from today, I will live for the will of my Father in heaven. And God says, as you understand, as you prove, as you love, you will face obstacles in your life. Because there is another kingdom that is reigning here. That kingdom comes against you. You know what the Bible says? For it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. We have been prepared for good works. But if you are going to do the good works which God has prepared beforehand, you will suffer. You will suffer. And receive it now. Don't back off. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad is what Jesus said. When you are persecuted for righteousness sake. Consider pure joy is what James would say. When you go through trials of different kinds. Why? Because you choose to serve God. In Romans 8, 16 and 17, this is how God would say. The spirit himself bears witnesses. Witness with our spirit, we are the children of God. If we children, then heirs, heirs of God and join heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, then that we may also be glorified together. If we don't suffer, we won't be glorified together with him. One thing we try to avoid with all our children in the little one, we don't let them suffer. We protect them from suffering. But the kingdom of God, children are not six months old. The, the kingdom of God, when you come into the kingdom, you have come to basically understand what the gospel is. And if you choose to remain as a child, skirting, suffering, you will never inherit. You will never inherit in the kingdom. Because to inherit in the kingdom, you share in the sufferings of Christ. If you suffer with him, and I will put it that way, if you suffer with him, you will reign with him. The suffering is the will of God. 
For the right cause. For the kingdom's cause. For the will of the Father. As you're fulfilling the appointed good works. Daniel was thrown into the lion's den for praying. Daniel's three friends were thrown into the furnace for refusing to bow to an idol. Joseph entered prison because he refused to sleep with a woman. They all were persecuted. All the apostles were persecuted and most of them were tortured and executed for preaching the gospel. They were not violent men. They never raised their hand against anybody. They were such gentle, meek, kind, compassionate men. They went around trying to bring people into the kingdom of God, trying to fulfill the first will of God to turn people to repentance. Why were they persecuted? They were persecuted for righteousness sake. Get these fundamentals into your mind. The will of God. When you suffer for the will of God, believe it is good. It is pleasing. It is perfect. And rejoice and be exceedingly glad as the apostles did in the book of Acts. They rejoiced. They were counted worthy to suffer for Christ Jesus sake. They were not grumpy. They were leaping and singing and glorifying God. Thank you. Thank you Lord. They wore it like a medal on their chest. To suffer for Christ Jesus sake. Get fundamentals right. And the fifth and the final of the general will of God is in Thessalonians chapter 1, First Thessalonians 5, 16 and 17. What is it? Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. And in everything, give thanks. This is the will of God. In everything. Three things you need to do. In everything. Whatever happens to you. In everything, rejoice. Pray. In everything, pray. In everything, give thanks. And if you look at Jesus' life, that is how he lived. Rejoicing, giving thanks, and praying his way through. In everything. This is the will of God. So this morning we are looking at the will of God. One aspect of the will of God. Because what comes is the will of God and the will of man. What's happening in the world is the will of man. When he came out of the roads, out of, entered this compound, came through these doors, by your very action, I don't know why it's in your heart and your mind, you are consecrating yourself to the will of God as opposed to the will of man that is happening. This entire world system, which is run by the will of the enemy and the will of wicked men and women, If you look when the actual transition takes place, when the will of man had reached to the point where every thought, inclination of him was evil and the earth was full of violence, God wiped it out. Eight people came out through the first judgment. And when they came out of the judgment, there were just eight people. A man, his wife, his three sons and and their wives. This is what God told the first family. We can call it the first family on earth. God blessed Noah and his sons and said, be fruitful, multiply and fill the earth. What he told Adam and Eve, he told Noah and his sons. A little later, you will see the will of man coming in direct conflict with the will, the purpose, the desire of God. What is the desire? Be fruitful, multiply and fill the earth. And this is what they say. 
Yes. They said, come let us build ourselves a city. A tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves. Lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. What did he say? Fill the earth. What did they say? We will not. We will not. We know the story. It's not a story. It's part of history. This is the beginning of Babylon. The world system we see began there. When the first set of people got together in absolute unity, one purpose, one language, one mind, against the revealed will of God. And God comes down and he says, you know what? If they purpose like that, they can do anything. Can do anything. Can do anything. So let's scatter them. That's how we all started speaking in different language and we had a Malayalam song also today. Because there God scattered them. Out of Babylon, literally out of Babylon, which means confusion. That's what you see here. It's confusion. All around the world it is confusion. National leaders have no clue what to do with the problems. That is Babylon. God tells one man called Abraham, leave. In Acts chapter 7, this is what he says. Brethren and fathers, listen. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham while when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Haran. That is Babylon. And said to him, get out of your country. What is the first call to the first man of faith or the father of faith? Get out of your country. Thousands of years later, Babylon has encroached into every area of our life. Do you know the system controls everything? System controls everything. This was not how God had ordained. The system is not supposed to control everything. And especially during the lockdown, we realized they also decided how we can breathe with or without a mask. They even decided when we could get out of our house or whether we could get out of our houses. They even decided what we could eat and what could not eat. Seeing that what was available and what was not available. Babylon entrenched all around the world. What is God's cry to the last days? In Revelation 18 and verse 4, the Bible says, I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins. To the first man, God said, Get out. The last generation, God says, come out. The will of God to come out of the system, in your heart, in your mind. Like he told the disciples, prayed over them. You are in this world, but you are not of this world. We are not of this world. So ultimately, it's a history of two men. The first Adam and the last Adam. And two cities, Babylon and Jerusalem from above. Not the Jerusalem here. The Jerusalem from above. Two men. All who perish are in Adam. All who are saved are in Christ. The last Adam. All who will go down to hell is in Babylon. All who will go to heaven are in the heavenly and they are waiting for that heavenly city. Because that was what Abraham was waiting for. That city. That is the will of God. So when we are praying our father, 
our father though we pray as a church as our father but on friday i said don't pray like that when you pray personally don't say our father say my father personal make it very personal my father my dad my father my dad help me you don't have to verbatim repeat what is written there you say help me to honor your name please above all before the unseen realm i want to honor you because if i can honor you before them i can honor you before man because man doesn't see me all the time but they do if i can honor you there i can honor you here help me lord please help me daddy this is my desire i want to honor you and dad i want your kingdom come i want your kingdom come you know why lord when your kingdom comes there is peace and joy all over the earth because the nature of that kingdom is righteousness peace and joy i want your kingdom come and above all lord i want peace i want your will to be done in my life let me tell you young people sitting over here because most of the church is young most of you are young the church here just a few white hairs here brother banu is there me is there rest i don't see any white hairs anywhere two white hairs here we two die daily others die monthly Let me tell you young people the safest place the safest place on planet earth is to be personally to be in the center of God's will the safest place to be on planet earth is to be in the center of God's will Daniel's three friends in that fire was in the center of God's will. In that den, Daniel was in the center of God's will. Jesus himself said, I have not come to do my will. I have come to do my Father's will who sent me. So the first step is the most important step. Today, this morning, Even as you're seated here, deep in your heart, you know you have truly never repented and believed in the Lord Jesus Christ for your salvation. It just, just moments. Salvation is the toughest and the easiest work on earth. Suff- toughest because of your will. Easiest if you surrender. it just in moments god can translate you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light in moments one man crucified hanging there in agony watches him listens to him and turns to him and says lord when you come to your kingdom remember me he accepted the lordship of jesus christ and the fact that he was a king and that he has a kingdom and that kingdom was coming all in seconds his eyes were opened and when he received it he said remember me jesus said truly truly i tell you today you will be with me in paradise it's done so if you are not sure or if you have not i would ask you 
Just take a few seconds and say, Lord, I repent of all my sin. I repent, truly repent, Lord. As much as I can understand now, I repent and I believe in your son and his work on the cross. Nothing else. Only on the work of your son. Would you forgive me? Would you forgive me, Lord? And would you walk in me? I leave it to you. I can't save myself. But I know you can save me. Save me, Lord. Save me. It's the beginning of a great journey. It's the beginning of a great journey. When that happens, this is what Jesus says. When that happens inside of you, in John 1.30, we were all born first, how? Not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. First, we were born of the will of man. But when we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are born again by what? The will of God. It is God's will no one should perish. It is God's will that no one should perish. And when we believe that God sent his only begotten son, so that we should not perish, that we would believe in him and be saved from judgment. God says, you are now born again. By what? By the will of God. Once you're born by the will of God, he is your father. And as a father, he has a plan and a purpose for every one of us. We already know the five common general plan or purpose or will of the father. But beyond that, let me tell you, to reject God's will for you is to reject the best God has for you. And settling down for something that is can never be compared to what God has for us. Second best. God's will for each one is the best. Not just now. For all of eternity. If I reject God's best now, I lose God's best eternity. If I receive God's best now, I make sure I receive God's best then. It's connected. Because we are living one life. Once you are born again, you are born again. God becomes your father. The kingdom of God becomes our reality. And this is just transitory or this is just temporary. In Jeremiah 29 and verse 11 to 13, this is what the word of God says. Okay, Even at a time when Israel is so miserable, in captivity, in bondage, the remnant there who are crying out to God, God's children, his plans has never changed. This is what he says. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Look at the first verse. He says, the plans that I have for you, verse 11. He says, you know what? The plans I have for you are plans which are of peace. I don't have a terrible plan for anybody. I'm assuring your future. Eternal future. Securing it for you. If only you would seek me. You will find me. 
If you seek me, you will find me. And when you find me, when I speak to you, will you just believe me? I am your father. And I am good. And I have the best for you. Would you just surrender? The thing is that if you don't surrender and seek his face, sadly, like most Christians, we will never ever know what God had for us. It's one of our greatest disappointments in heaven will be that we did not know while living what God had for us. You would be shocked what God has for us. I've told this story before. A young man on his 18th birthday in the US went to his father's study. He had been telling his father, I'm turning 18 and I want a car. This is the car I want. This is what it costs. That day when he went to his father's study, the father said, this is your present for you. You know what he gave him? He gave him a Bible. The son was so upset. He said, word, 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 word. That's all you have to say. I don't want your Bible. He just put it on there, packed his bag and stormed out of the house. And he never came back. He went into the world, he did his own stuff, everything, he found a job and everything. Many, many years later, his mother called him and said, would you come home? Your father is dying. By the time he got home, his father was dead. Now he was guilty, feeling remorse, sorrow, everything. And he went into his father's study. And when he went to his father's study, he saw the Bible was exactly where he had thrown it. It had never moved. Father had kept it on the table. So with tears in his eyes and he said, Oh Lord, I shouldn't have done this. He took the Bible and he opened it. And when he opened it, he saw there was a cover. And in the cover was a check. And the check was dated that day for the car he wanted. Everything God has for you is in this. It's in this. You throw this away, you throw the will of God with you. One day when we reach heaven, because we only fulfill the first will of God, there will be so much regret. Dad, I didn't know you always had my best. My best. Your will was never bad for anybody. Never bad for anybody. And you were not even thinking just about my temporal. You were talking about my eternal. We fathers, especially Indian fathers, know our mindset. When we pick professions for our children, we are thinking security. We are not thinking anything else. We are thinking security. Why would Indian parents put children in the old days into medicine and engineering? Because it was secure. You would definitely get a job. Your life would be secure. So what parents looking for? Looking for security. When the daughters came home and said, Dad, I found a boy. The first thing the father asked is, what is his job? What is he looking for? I want you to marry a man who will make you secure. That's a father. And our father is trying to secure our eternity. Eternal future. To see that we have the best there and we don't lose on it. He says, in that process, you will have to make temporal sacrifices. But eternal. Like if you pick a profession like medicine or engineering, you have to slog. 
It is not easy. So you have to slow. You have to sacrifice. Right? You have to sacrifice. There is temporal suffering for a security in this life. And God says the same thing. When I am securing your eternity, that's, you have to believe me. I am your father. You have to believe me that I am good all the time. You have to believe I have the best for you. Best for you. And the first thing, first thing, anybody, me or you or anybody, anybody has to discover the will of God is not understanding the will of God, is for surrendering to the person. Otherwise we'll never understand. We know this in the human terms and we will surrender for human benefits, but we will not Surrender for divine benefits. This is how Jesus put it in the new covenant. If anyone wills to do his will, he shall know concerning doctrine. What is the doctrine of God? What is the life of God? What is the purpose of God? What is the will of God? You will know it. But first thing, would you please surrender if you use your human will to do God's will? It's a first decision. I will to do God's will. I, no, I will to do God's will. Once you do that, he will start revealing step by step, stage by stage, day by day. He will reveal. That's the first thing. You have to be willing to surrender. To the prophet Isaiah, to people who are so backslidden, have so much in sin, he says, the ox knows his master, the donkey knows my People do not know. To them he says, would you please come? Shall we reason together? It does not matter if your sins are like crimson. I will clean you. I will make it white as snow. And he doesn't stop there. He says, once you come through stage one of repentance and salvation, he says, if you're willing, willing and obedient, you will eat the best of the land. Would you just surrender? And I start showing you my will day by day. You're obedient to my voice, obedient to what I reveal to you. He says, you know what? You will eat the best I have for you. The best of the land. The good of the land. You will eat. Would you just be willing? That is what comes first. And that's how Jesus comes. Okay, Jesus comes. When Jesus comes in Hebrews 10 verse 7, then I said, when Jesus came, behold, I have come. In the volume of the book, it is written of me to do your will, O God. Jesus says, you know what? Dad, I have come to do your will, not my will. Where is my will? It is written. Where is the will of God? It is written. It is here. When I go to the countryside and uh, other places, when I preach to them, I say, your deliverance is just three inches away. If this were to move from there to here, you are set free. The problem is you carry it all your life like this. It does not cross these three inches. If you believe in your heart, it's so close to the heart. That's what he says in Deuteronomy. The word that can save you so close. How close? So close. So close. If only it got, not into your head, into your heart. That you understand, and even if you don't understand, you believe him because he's good. Not just because he's God, but because he's good. He's a good God who has the best for me. That's what he's saying, if you're willing and obedient. And when the Son of Man comes, he says, it is written. It is written. It is written. 
In Psalm 38 and 138 and verse 2, I will worship towards you. Okay, we'll leave this. For you have magnified your word above all your name. Can you imagine it? Something God has magnified above everything. Pastor Vijay, when he was leading worship, he said, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Nisi. These are all his names. Something he has magnified above all that is his word. You have magnified your word above all. Not man's name, your name. Your word. Your word above all your name. Can you imagine what we have with us? A privilege Man did not have for almost 5,000 years. People did not have a personal copy of the Bible. They did not. The daily readings you get in the morning on the church group for the past few days, you heard about Operation Pearl Project in China, how they sacrificed their lives to get a copy of the Bible, how it was done to have a copy of the Bible. This is what we are carrying. This is the will of God. And when we come to the will of God, when we come to the word of God, the first thing is not understanding. It is surrender. If you think you will understand God in one day or all of eternity, we are fooling ourselves. How can the finite understand the infinite? But by surrender, we will understand whatever he wants to reveal to us. What he will not reveal, we will never understand. The secret things belong to God. Don't even go there. Don't even go there. But he's willing to reveal the tragedy of life is to go through life without knowing what was there to be revealed, what was there to be known of God and what was my purpose in his life. So the first thing is surrender. About Jesus himself, this is how the prophetic, this is Jesus speaking sometime in eternity past, in eternity present, somewhere in between. He says, I have come. It is a volume. But when he came as a child, as a little baby, growing up child, this is what is written about him in Isaiah. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. This is his ministry. How he But how did he begin? He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. And what did he do? Verse 5. I did not turn like one rebellious. What did I do? I did not turn one rebellious. Think about it. What is the father first asking the son? The sovereign Lord has opened my ears. I have not been rebellious. I have not drawn back. The first act of Jesus is when the spirit of God comes and wakes him up in the morning. It is not teaching. Will you wake up? Will you wake up? I'm telling you, you don't need an alarm. Harry, you don't need an alarm. That's why I tell you young people, bring your notebooks and your pens. When you write down, you will not look here and there. It's a simple format in school, college. Have a notebook, have a pen, practical way to keep focused. Simple things. And Jesus does not have a book. He does not have a scroll. He has to memorize scripture. That's how ancients learned. They couldn't have a Bible. So it's impossible for anybody to own a Bible. But they memorized scripture. Morning by morning you awakened me. And I did not turn like one. He was willing. Are you willing? If you make a commitment to the living God today. And you say, Father, would you wake me up in the morning. And I will not be rebellious. I promise you, he will wake you up. 
Even if your alarm fails you, he will not fail you. Will you wake up? That's where it begins. See, this is an interesting thing. I will tell you, practical thing with God. If you're willing in this first step, you will understand what he teaches in second step. Many people have come through this church and gone through this church without understanding anything because they were not obedient with the first step. The first step, if you are willing. To be obedient, I need to know what I should be obedient to. So he has to say something after that. When he has woken me up in the morning and I have gone to the word and he tells me something, then I am obedient. But the first thing is, am I willing to be woken up? Early in the morning, my will says, go to sleep. His will says, son, will you wake up? Daughter, will you wake up? That's what he says. Will you wake up? The father comes. The creator of the universe, almighty God. Heaven and the sky flee from his presence, comes and knocks the door of your heart and says, wake up. Teacher is here. How we get our children for a Class tomorrow. <laughs> we will rush and puff and huff like the wolf and that piggy story to get our children ready. The first thing is surrender. The word of God, surrender. I'm telling you, his will is perfect. Start these little steps and be consistent in it. Not morning you awaken to me. No, that's not what it's written. Morning by morning by morning by morning by morning. Discipline is ingrained. Now your age does not matter. Daniel must be around 85, 90 years old. When the edit is passed, no one shall pray. But discipline has been ingrained. As was his habit from childhood, he opened his windows towards Jerusalem, went on his knees. Knees are not locking. Arthritis is not biting. He just went on his knees because this is, has been his discipline all the days of his life. And no edict of any Babylonian empire can keep the knees straight when it has been called to bend. And no empire's edict can make the knees bend when the knee says, I will bend only to Christ. Discipline of the spirit. And he will teach us if we are willing. Morning by morning. The word is the first. For he has magnified the word above all his name. Second place. Almost equal to the first place. Not equal. Almost is your prayer life. Even in prayer. The first thing is not prayer. It is surrender. Everybody prays. Almost all Christian prayers and get Nothing out of it and God is so bored by their prayers. If Bible says God neither sleeps nor slumbers, but I think when some of us pray, he goes to sleep. Spirit will tell Jesus, son, the same guy, same prayers. Monotone, monotone is coming, monotone. Son will say, father, don't waste your time. Look at Jesus. We are looking at surrender, not at prayer. Look at Jesus. Luke 22, 41, 42. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw and he knelt down and prayed saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. He's praying for the will of God. 
But look what he does. How does he pray? It's not prayer first. It is surrender first. He goes on his knees. He goes on his knees. Nobody's watching. It's surrender first. He's on his knees. And he says, Father, I first surrender. This is my prayer request. Your will is there. My will is there. My will is fighting your will. But Father, let it be your will. Is there surrender? Try to pray with surrender so that when you get up from your knees, if God says no, you will be okay with it. When you pray without surrender and God says no, you are upset. But you have surrendered first and God actually says, nope. You will say, it's okay daddy, I know you. That means your no means you got something better for me. I know you. When you say no to my prayer, that actually means I goofed up and you don't want me to goof up. I asked for something which wasn't that good. You got something better for me. Thank you. Not my will, but your will be done. It is surrender. And we know about Jesus. We have heard it a thousand times in this church about Jesus' prayer life. His prayer life was surrender. Early in the morning, when it was still dark, that is surrender. See, when its sun is bright, it's 10 o'clock and you have eaten your breakfast and lunch together. Lord, here I come to intercede. God says, go back and sleep, sir. (laughs) What sacrifice, what surrender is there? After a whole day's ministry, which include preaching, deliverance, casting out demons, and healing multitudes, he must have gone tired, gone to sleep. And the Bible says, in, you, we don't have to go there, but if you can, it's Mark chapter 1 and verse 35. Early in the morning, when it was still dark, he rose for what? To pray. He rose to pray. And because he rose to pray, he discovered God's will for him for that day. The crowds have already come back. The disciples are looking for the master. Lord, the disciples all have come. He said, no, we need to go to the other towns and preach. For this purpose I came. Now, if he goes and heals those people, it is good. But it is not pleasing. It is not pleasing. If he hadn't got up in the morning and prayed, like most of us, we would have got, got up in the morning and somebody comes and says, Pastor, all the people have come for prayer. Okay, let me go and pray. Hallelujah, be healed in Jesus. And that's what you would have done. Many would have, all would have got healed. But Father would not have been pleased. The people would have been happy. Hallelujah, the prophet is in our town. Silent in heaven. Because son, I wanted you to do something else today. You don't know why you did not know? Because you did not come to me in the morning. I was waiting. You didn't come. If you had come, I would have told you exactly what I wanted you to do. They did not understand. But he woke up in the morning. He heard from the father. And he says, no, this is not what I have to do today. We need to go. And who will put preaching ahead of healing? Both are good. But this is pleasing because you have heard. Pleasing to God, not pleasing to man. And that's how we learn. That's how we learn. So the word of God and in prayer. This is what the Bible says in 1 John chapter 5. Now this is the confidence we have in him. That if we ask anything. Ask anything. According to this. He hears us. Is it not so fantastic to know his will? 
Because he says, if you ask me anything according to my will, he will hear. And if we know that he hears this, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. We know we have it. It's just a matter of time. It will come. It will come immediately. It will, it will come. No doubt about it. Why? Because I know what I asked was his will for me. It will come to pass. This is how we are called to live. One day at a time. Your word. Your word. is a lamb unto my feet. And a light unto my path. One day at a time. Some days he shows the path. You know when you are driving your vehicle, whether it's a two-wheeler or a four-wheeler, you can see only as far as the light goes. I'm talking about driving in the countryside. You can see only as far as the light goes. You can't see beyond that. As far as the light goes, you are able to drive. And as you drive, you see farther. He said, that's my word. I will give you light for today and tomorrow. I will show you as you go. I'll speak to you. I'll speak to you. But if you want me to speak to you, there is one condition. Hear from my son. Let there be surrender. And pray every day. Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Your will be done. Not my will, but your will be done. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 to 17. Therefore, Paul says through the Spirit of God, see then you walk circumspectly, carefully, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. When the days are evil, Temptations are so much, you lose time. Lot of people lose time. Not just watching stuff on the internet. Wasting time first, not sure what to watch because so much is available. First 15 minutes, they are wasting time because they have opened all these sites and they don't know which to watch. So 15 minutes already is gone. And every site they have opened is bakwas. Days are evil. Days are evil. Our days were not so evil. There was no TV also. In the country where I grew up, by the time a newspaper came from India, usually 30 days would be over. So the news is 30 days old. Some of the people who are mentioned in the headlines are already dead and gone. No TV. One radio is there. You lived in a different... So there was no evil like we are talking about. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of God is. Understand what the will of God is. We have to live understanding the will of God. Don't just walk like that. Do we know the will of God? God brings two concepts here in this verse. We preach on understanding the will of God. We'll keep on preaching because we are all understanding the will of God in some way or other. He brings time here. Redeem the time. Be careful about time. There's only a certain amount of time. Every one of us has only a certain amount of time. Today I want to look at another concept about time. You know what it is? The most difficult part of time. What is the most difficult part of time? It's called waiting. 
signals are going from many stomachs to the head. How long? How long? We know there is lunch today. How long? How long? Hmm? How long? That's why we close the doors and put on central AC so that no smell from outside comes in to agitate you. The biggest issue with this mortal man on planet earth is waiting. Most difficult thing. In the book of Ecclesiastes, this is what God says in chapter 3 verse 11. He has made everything beautiful in his time. God has a time. We have our time. Our time is always now. That's our problem. Every one of us, if we are honest, will know all the trouble we got into is because even the right things we took, we took it before time. They were not meant for that time. It was not meant for that time. He makes all things beautiful in his time. And then he brings something else into that. He brings eternity into time. Eternity is time lessless. There is no time in eternity. There is no sun rising, no moon, nothing. There is no 24 hour day. Eternity is there is no time. So he brings a man who is caught in time and he brings eternity and he says, I have put eternity into your hearts. So when you are going through time, keep eternity in mind. When I make my decisions, what will it cost me in eternity? Let's put eternity into our hearts. Because the things that we see are temporal, Paul will say. But the things that are real, eternal, are the things that are unseen. Every decision I make, you make, we make, will have its implications in eternity. Therefore, he says, wait for his time. Wait for his time. Because you know what? It has implications beyond this life. When eternity begins. Not animals. Only human beings who have been created in the image of God. And God dwells in eternity. He lives in eternity. And we are created in his image. And he has put eternity into everybody's heart. If there is no eternity in man's heart, there will be no religion on earth. Why don't animals have religion? Why is that not a single animal has religion? Because there is no eternity in their heart. Why is every man searching for God through religion? Because there is eternity. Religion is the result of eternity put in God by God into human beings' heart. Animals don't have eternity. Understand that. He makes all things beautiful in his time. God has a plan for every child of his here. That will impact my eternity. Eternity. We had this question, I think, from Australia or Canada yesterday for the Q&A last night. And uh, I answered that question. And this is the scripture I gave. How eternity begins when the father... See, the thousand-year-old reign of Jesus Christ is not eternity. There is still sun, moon, day, night. There is still sin. Sin is not allowed to manifest. People are still living on this earth. The effects of the curse will be taken away. But not all the effects. 
death will still be there. Of course, people will live long. Even a child will live up to 100 years, all that. But sin is still there and death is still there. It's after the end of 1,000 years, judgment begins. Death is thrown into the lake of fire. And Revelation 21, 22 is eternity beginning when all the enemies, including death, has been brought under Christ's feet. And he hands the kingdom over to the Father. And the Father starts ruling. That is eternity. Where the Bible says, even the Son himself will be subject to the Father. And God is in all. Go read First Corinthians chapter 15. It's beautifully explained how eternity begins. So we are not even waiting for the thousand year reign of Jesus Christ. We are going beyond that to look into eternity. That is timelessness. There's no time there. And this is what it is written. There shall be no more curse. But the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it. His servants shall serve him. They shall see his face. His name shall be on their foreheads. And there shall be no night there. No need of lamp or light of the sun. For the Lord God gives them light. They shall reign forever and ever. We have new bodies. Which never tires. We don't need to sleep. There is no night there. And when first thing God said is that. If you eat from this tree. You will die. That's the first curse. That's the first curse that came upon man when man ate. You know what? This body changed. Death came in. Sickness came in. Weakness came in. Fatigue came in. All this came in. And work was cursed after that. The ground is cursed. Now you're going to get a new body. You will never be tired. You will never ever be tired. There is no sweat. There is no tiredness. There is no fatigue. There is no day. There is no night. So you have a new body where you can serve God. You can work. You can serve God. You will never tire. And then, what is that? His servants will serve him. They will see his face. But how will they serve him? What is this word written? They shall reign forever and ever. They're not just serving. They are reigning on his behalf. This is how eternity is. This is the will of God. But the Bible is very clear. Everyone won't reign. If you suffer with him, you will reign with him. The father's desire is no one should perish. But many will perish. Most will perish. The father's desire is everyone should be sanctified. Everyone won't be sanctified. Father's desire is this is the will of God. Everyone should serve him. But those who are saved and occasionally sanctified don't serve him. They serve themselves. And those who serve when it comes to suffering will run away. They won't suffer. They will serve you without suffering. Suffering, keep me out. I'm not there. And to pray always, to rejoice always, to give thanks always is almost an impossibility. You come through this five, you reign forever and ever. And this is the will of God. And it's perfect. It is perfect. So when God is working this will out for every one of his children, there is time and there is timing. So the simple questions we need to ask is, by whose schedule am I living by? Whose schedule am I living by? Who set the schedule? Do you let God set the schedule in your life? Because ultimately what is common about all of us, we all only get 24 hours. Prime Minister Modi gets 24 hours, you also get 24 hours. He doesn't get 25, I don't get 23. Everybody, we are common in time. 
Everybody gets 24 hours. But if I get 24 hours and the kingdom word of God says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, who sheds the schedule? Because that's the most important thing in my day is that I have time. And who sheds, sets my schedule? That will show lordship. And Jesus made it very clear. My father sets the schedule. Early I will seek him. Early in the morning. Whatever your shift is, whatever your life is like, you have all kinds of shifts now. Literally people are living in eternity. There is no morning or night, no day or every time they are working. Okay, but whatever your lifestyle is, your job profile is like, you have to put God first. You have to choose to put God first. And it begins with time. So by whose schedule am I living? And in the decisions that I take, where is God in all this? Simple questions. God asks these questions, right? God asks all these questions in the Bible. Simple questions you should ask. Because if you ask the right questions, you will get the right answers. Sometimes you ask the wrong questions. There is a little boy with five loaves of fish, uh, five loaves of bread and two fish. What can we do with That's a wrong question. Lord, here is, I want to see what you can do. That is the right question. Instead, they ask the wrong question, what is this? You should wake up in the morning and say, Lord, thank you for waking up in the morning. I got around 24 hours left. Lord, here it is. I know what you can do with it. Here I am. Not poor me, worn to me, what is the use? No, here I am. And here you are. What I am doing is that I look at me, I am little. But I look at their hands, I know the power of their hands. I take this life, put it into these hands. Lord, use it, use me. I work in this office, I am going, you go with me. Use me. Write questions. God asks questions through the Bible. Where? Adam, where are you? Who told you? What have you done? Third question. Fourth question. Why are you angry? Why has your countenance fallen? Fifth question. Where is your brother? Sixth question. Where are you coming from? Where are you going? Who does he ask to Hagar? Do you know where are you coming from? Do you know after this where are you going? Do you know your destination? Do you know your origin? We started with God. Will we end with God? Every human being started with God. But every human being will not end with God. Do you know where you are coming from? Do you know where you are going? And God asks Abraham the next question. Where is your wife Sarah? What did he ask Abraham? I have never said this before. I am telling you today. The next question God asks is to Abraham. Where is your wife Sarah? Men, where is your wife? Do you know where your wife is? Do you know her state? Here is God. Here is everybody busy running the angels. They're so busy. This thing. In the middle of it also, Abraham knows where his wife is. She's behind the curtain. I know her very well. I know my wife. If there are two guests, she will be behind the curtain. Listening. That's where my wife is. Do you know where your wife is? To live with your wife with understanding. Do you know wife? Do you know your wife so well? Abraham knew. Abraham said, are you called to bed, find Sarah? No, he's, I, know, I know where she is. I saw the curtain moving, she's behind it. Do you know where your wife is? And to the wife, he asked, why did you laugh? She did laugh, she didn't open her mouth. She laughed in her mind and God heard it. 
Why did you laugh? Did Jacob he asked this question, what is your name? You don't know my name. You struggle with me from morning light all night to morning. You don't know my name. Of course I know your name. But do you know your name? The problem is not that I don't know your name. Do you know your name? Because 20 years ago you told your father, your name is Esau. What's your name now? It's still the same. You want me to bless you, right? I can't bless you unless I know your name. Who should I bless? Esau or Jacob? You said, bless me. Yes, I am here to bless bless you. 20 years ago, you went to your father and said, bless me. But to your father, you said, your name is Esau. Now tell me, what is your name? You want to be blessed? Tell me your name. God has questions. Sometimes we go through those questions and ask ourselves. We get answers. Some answers we don't like. God is asking questions. What is your name? What is your name? So you should ask this question this morning. Where is God in my schedule? Where is God in the decisions I make? Most Christians live disconnected lives from God. The only time they go is when there is a crisis. So for them, God is the head of the department of crisis management. When there is a crisis, oh Lord, help me. Thank God he still helps us because he's a father. When he was always there. Love disconnected lives. And the son came and told us, this is not the way to love. You have no clue about my father. I have come from the father's bosom to reveal it to you. You know what his will is? His will is perfect. It is good. It is pleasing. It is pleasing. Even when I have to drink from this cup, it is temporal. Do you have any clue? The joy that is set before me after this cup. I'm not going to hang on the cross forever. The grave cannot hold me. Hell cannot touch me. He's going to exalt me above every other name. He's going to give me a name above all names for your sake. Do you know the will of my father? Do we know the will of our father? That's not how man was supposed to love. Disconnected lives. To begin with God. To end each day with God. And it didn't, didn't matter then where you go. You go into the fire. God is with you. You go into the lion's den. He's with you. You are thrown into chains and in prison. You are able to write outside. Be let your gentleness known to be. Paul is writing all oh, over. I know you. That one is not gentle. This one is rough. That one shouts. Okay. Let your gentleness be very evident. Why? Because the Lord is at hand. What a man lying in prison. God is with him in prison and he tells everybody please maintain your behavior because God is there watching. You don't know but I can see from here you are not talking properly. Living in the presence of God. God who goes with you. In my first defense everybody abandoned me but I don't hold it against them because the Lord himself stood by me. And strengthen me. Paul brought into a Roman court. And God is with him. And he knows God is with him. Time. Psalm 63. And verse 1. 
oh god you are my god i love this psalmist no david was a class apart even when everybody says oh god he will say oh god you are my god he will personalize this i'm telling you in your prayers don't like a parrot say our father who art in heaven don't try those things it's so boring so imagine my son comes to me in the morning and says our father of course i have five children our father you're what's wrong with you what's wrong with you that's not how the hebrew word is such a personal word abba abba oh god you are my god early will i seek you when will i seek you early early will i seek you seek him early seek him early. early signifies many facets of time first thing seek him early in the morning that's the best time to seek him especially in hyderabad the dogs also go to sleep night they are forever into all the demons because there are there are pigs and dogs in hyderabad all the demons are going into the dogs and the pigs so they are always fighting but by early morning they are by by 3 o'clock they are also tired that's the time good time to wake up early in the morning early in the morning i will seek thee in terms of 24 hour slot god has given us seek him early where is by the very step of seeking him early you are signifying to him i honor you you are my lord i i know you saved me but that's not the point here you are lord this jesus whom you crucified god has made him both lord and savior we accept the saviorhood of jesus we struggle with the lordship first step early will i seek you i'm not seeking for opinion i'm not seeking for information i'm seeking for your command when you speak to me it is not information it is not your opinion it's your command your whisper is my command early will i seek you seek him early before trouble begins that was solomon in his old days trying to encourage the young people seek him early don't go my way and end up saying vanity meaningless meaningless empty empty vanity what was the reason he became ultimately a vessel of dishonor not a vessel of honor began as a vessel of honor ended up as a vessel of dishonor and god through his letters will teach us don't be like him why is fool early seek seek him early young men seek him early young women seek him early don't try to seek him after you get married and all the problems start seek him early so that when those issues come you know exactly how to deal it because you have sought him early seek him early every precept every principle for life is there in this word if you seek him he will show it to you i don't know which church i was studying i don't know which day it was i was studying in the beginning if you go to the beginning the beginning is the beginning that is god's principle he created the garden he put the trees over there he made his beautiful place created adam and put him over there and he gave him a task and the task was you shall tend it 
and watch over it. You shall work it and watch over it. Man was given two duties. You will work, you will watch. That's what Adam is doing. Every man, every young man over here, sitting over here, start early. Learn from the mistakes and the good sides of the patriarchs and the saints that have gone before us. Start early. Learn to work. That's the first duty of man, to work and to watch. To work and to watch. To work and to watch. There's no woman there in the picture. Don't even think about marriage. Adam is not getting married because he's so depressed. Adam is not on Prozac. Adam doesn't have heartburn. Adam is absolutely satisfied doing the will of God in his workplace. He's working and he's watching. Because to everyone God has given a garden. How you tend your garden will determine your destiny. Your eternity. Work and watch. Work and watch. Unless the Lord builds. Unless the Lord watches. So God is a builder. God is a watcher. Man is a builder. Man is a watcher. Build and watch. Build and watch. Work and watch. Work and match. And when you are absolutely satisfied in the will of God, in the work you do, you have been watching and building, God will come to you and says, it's time for you to get married. It's not good for you to be alone. But most people who get married are so dissatisfied in their workplace, they get married, they bring their dissatisfaction into their home. Because they were never content in the will of God in the first place. In the first place. Patterns are there in the Bible. You are young. Most of the people sitting here are under 30. Most of you are not even married. Start well. Lord, today is the day. My father, I've heard from you. This is the pattern for you. Early will I seek you, Lord. Work. You'll work here. You'll work in eternity. Learn to work. Don't waste your time. Learn to work is not worship. Don't mistake what the world says. But we were created to work because God is the worker. Jesus came and told them, my father and I are at work from the beginning and still working. Learn to work and learn to watch. Adam worked. He didn't watch. That's why the snake slipped in. He didn't watch. Work and watch. Because you only got this much time. You got only this much time. That's why I don't tell women. I tell men, wake up early in the morning. Because when you wake up in the morning, you're watching. You're watching. You're watching over what you're building. Learn to work early in the morning. Before trouble comes. Before trouble comes. So many areas in life where we'll face trouble. But if you have been prepared for that early, it is decisions are so easy. I don't know who Daniel's mentors were, parents, rabbi, I don't know, hats off to them. Because when he stepped into the Babylonian court and he saw the table, he knew what decision to take because he had been prepared early what to eat and what not to eat. The Bible says when the king sets a plate before you put a knife to your throat, be careful. <laughs> so many. They don't even, you don't even realize when important people call you home and uh, they give you food, they're watching you how you eat to decide to promote you or not. Put a knife on your throat. You will eat like nobody's business. Nobody's business. 
And even I, after every pastor's conference, watch how the pastors eat so I can know who can be trusted. I'm not kidding. Because how you eat determines your destiny. Put a knife to your throat. Because everything that comes from the king's table is not kosher. Even if it's Israelite king, like David. When he wants Uriah to stumble and fall, the food and the wine went from the king's table. But Uriah put a knife to his throat. Be careful how men you eat. Be careful how you eat. Because one of the greatest men in the Bible fell because of his eating habits. Destroyed practically his family and his name was Isaac. Man who never knew lack. Man who never knew famine. A man who never went to Egypt. A man who was so surrendered from the beginning of his life to the will of God. Fell apart only because he loved food. And the mother, the sons, all are using food to deceive him. Eat well. Receive everything from God with thanksgiving. Through prayer and the word it is sanctified. But put a knife to your throat. Early make these decisions. Make these decisions early. If you make these decisions early, when that thing comes your way, you are able to stand. People fall because they did not make these decisions early. Now don't feel condemned. Because if you did not have mentors, and if you did not know Christ late, and you fell so many times, this is not a place of condemnation. You go back to God today, He will clean you and give you a fresh start. When He cleans, it is as if it was never there. That's what justification means. Just as if you never sinned. But we are talking about good beginnings. Good beginnings. Early beginnings. Where you came from does not matter. What matters is what you have learned and what decisions. Because you can learn by observation. You can learn by observation. You look at the mess in your father's house. Father has two wives, which are sisters, two concubines. There is riot going on everywhere. Eldest brother has gone wonky. Second brother has gone wonky. All this, you know what? I ain't going that way. I am not going that way. Early in life, a young man called Joseph decided. And when the day of temptation came and kept on coming, and kept on coming, and kept on coming, kept on coming, he could say no, though he was a slave. Daniel was a slave. Joseph was a slave because early he had made these decisions. Early. Food, sex, two things before which young people fall. Early. Now you have stumbled that route. Till today, Lord, June the 19th, I make my decision. I make my decision. So help me, God. I ain't going that route again. I am not going to go that route again. Early. Every decision bring God in. Every decision bring God in. It doesn't matter how you are feeling, how depressed you are, or what is the opinion of people. I love this chapter in, I didn't give it, First Samuel chapter 23. This is when... That Edomite called Dov has, he's a, he's a dog. He killed all the priests of Nob. 
and the whole town, women and children, Abiathar escapes and comes and he tells David about this. And look at it. Then they told David, saying, look, the Philistines are fighting against Scala and they are robbing the threshing floors. He's already depressed. This has happened. Lord, I should not have gone to the priest. Because of me, Saul has killed that entire town. So he's feeling depressed, down, everything. And then they come and say, no, Philistines are also attacking one town. He himself is a fugitive from the law, running from this thing. And they hear they're attacking. You know what happens? Therefore, David inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I go and attack the Philistines? And the Lord said to David, go and attack the Philistines and save Kaila. He's not allowing anything to interrupt. He's seeking the face of God. He goes and says, Lord, shall I attack? And God says, go attack. What do the people say? Look at the people, his soldiers. David's men said to him, look, we are afraid here in Judah. How much more if you go to Kaila against the armies of Philistines? David, what are you talking about? Here we are not secure from the army of Israel. The Israeli army is looking for, now you are saying go and fight the Philistines. What are you thinking about? We are caught between the, the sea and the hard place. Did you listen to opinion? David inquired of the Lord once again. He said, no, this is what the people say. Maybe good counsel, but I know your will for me is perfect. What do you have to say? What do you say? This is leadership. What do you say? Listen to counsel. Listen to everybody. Ultimately, go back to God and say, Lord, you told me this. They are saying this. What do you want me to do? And God says, and of the Lord once again, and the Lord answered him and said, Arise, go down to Kela, for I will deliver the Philistines into your hand. A man's prayer life. These are the battles we fight. We fight battles. But we have to choose our battles. And if God is for us in the battle, we cannot lose. It is the will of God that we should win. And he wins. He defeats. And Saul hears. David is at Kelah. Saul gets his army plants. I will go get David. He has trapped himself with a city with walls and gates. He cannot escape. And David is smart because he's a man who hears in prayer. Look at verse 10, 11 and 12. Then David said, O Lord God of Israel, your servant has certainly heard that Saul seeks to come to Kela to destroy the city for my sake. He goes back to God. What you started, you will finish, right? Look, will the men of Kela deliver me into his hand? Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? O Lord God of Israel, I pray. Tell your servant. And the Lord said, he will come down. Do you realize how easy it is to walk with God if you really go to him and have a channel of communication on a day-to-day basis? Lord, will Saul come? I'm hearing all these rumors, but will he come or not? You know. God says, he will come. Okay, now I am in Kaila. They should be so grateful because I saved them from the Philistines and all. But Lord, I don't trust anybody except you. Lord, tell me this thing. David said, will the men of Kaila deliver me and my men in the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, they will deliver it. Oh, that one broke my heart. Did you go ask God, should I trust that one? That's why he, he or she broke your heart. Did you go ask God? Oh, I was thinking that one would marry me, but that one broke my heart. Did you go ask God? Oh, they seemed so nice and kind and grateful. So did the people of Kaila. But when it came to saving their own skin, God said, they will hand you over. Don't even stay there. Leave. And he left without any bitterness. Fundamental basic principles in the kingdom of God. There is a God who answers. A God who speaks. Early will I seek him. 
if you can start surrendering to God, obeying the voice of God, allowing Him to lead us and wait for His time. You know what He says? He makes all things beautiful in His time. All things. Not some things. Not few things. He says everything. Everything. I will make it beautiful. Psalm 27, 11 to 14. That portion we will look and then we will stop for today. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. Oh. I gave you, yeah, 27. 11 to 14. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. His psalms is all you need to pray. You don't know how to pray. Take his psalm and say, Lord, let this be my words. Do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and such as breathe out violence. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. What is wait? What is connected with? Time. Time. Don't rush. Don't rush, wait. Don't rush, wait. There are decisions in life you cannot afford to make a mistake. Wait on the Lord. Wait. Don't take that decision. Wait. Wait on the Lord. Why can I wait on the Lord? Why is that I can wait on the Lord? Because about one thing I am absolutely sure that I believe I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I know He's good. I know His will is good. I believe He has only good things for me. So until I hear clearly from Him, I will wait. I will not rush in and make my own decision. I will wait. I will wait. Wait, young people, wait. Don't rush. Don't rush. Wait. You need to believe. This is the fundamental issue. You need to trust God with all your heart that He is good and He is always good and He has only good plans for His children. That even in suffering, the end of it is good. Even in trials and temptations, the end of it is good. Because all things work together for the good of those who love God. Call according to His purpose. He has a purpose for everyone. He has a will and a plan for everyone. It will work out. Don't rush. Wait. Oh, when you wait for God, when finally when God moves, you will thank God you did not go by your instincts. We don't go by instincts. We allow ourselves to be led by God. Wait. When God says, wait, it is not denial. He's not denying you. He says, I've got something better for you. I'm something good for you. In small things, big things, trust God. Because if I grab now, and I refuse to wait, and that's what happened to when we were young. It happened to all the young people. 
they are not able to wait because today's today's world economic system is crumbling because you have been taught buy now pay later and life is lived like that make a decision and then regret later nobody was taught to wait and suddenly one day like lightning bolt you lose your job and one fellow comes and takes your car other fellow comes and takes your furniture next fellow takes your fridge and the fourth fellow comes takes your house you're sitting outside on the road with nothing because everything was emi which is true how people live and god says wait that was never my plan for you are you in debt Are you in debt because you are a generous giver to the kingdom of God? No, you are in debt because you did not know how to spend. That's the simple reason. Accept that logic first. This is the truth. You know why a man is in debt? He is in a debt because he overspent. If you knew to wait, you would never be in debt. If you knew how to be led, if you knew how to be sent by God, you can't be in debt. Jesus asked the disciples at the end of the ministry, "I send you with no bag, no purse." Did you lack? They said no. Please understand this. Our issue is we did not wait. You did not wait. As I close, let me tell you. Look, a few months back, my old landlord came and said he's moving back. He needs my office. And everybody was looking for an office for me, right? Everybody went around. God said, "Wait." People even flew down to Hyderabad to look for an office for me. You don't know. And they went around looking for office and said, "Can I take this office? I will pay the rent." I said, "No." He said, "Wait." I didn't move. I said, "Wait." I waited. I waited, and then one day I heard my dear brother in upstairs was moving. I went and looked at that place, and God said, "That's your place." If you go see that place, it looks different. But to make it different, do you know how much I spent? Saminos I think around 1500 rupees on net loan but you come to the house it's not like that everything was paid off by somebody else whom I do not know because he said wait I didn't put a pie in not a pie in other than less than 2000 rupees but if I had not waited somebody would have spent money paid all that stuff it's still money it all belongs to the father anyway all below nothing there everything was done by god only simply because of one principle wait wait and young people learn to wait learn to wait wait to get married <clears throat> when marriage comes a portal is opened which is called sex wait 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 most marriages are miserable because those portals were open before marriage wait otherwise you will destroy your future life porn is a portal don't open that door go back and listen to that message to not open that door before the right time you will destroy your marriage you will think your wife is an object she is not an object she's a person with whom you have to love with understanding as a vessel of honor don't open that door wait 
don't buy anything that you have not earned. Don't buy anything that you have not earned when you are young. Even when you go ask your parents, be careful what you ask. Because I keep telling in every place I go, when you ask for something which costs 15,000 rupees, 20,000 rupees, and your father's salary is 20,000 rupees, and you create a racket there to get that money, you are asking for 30 days of his life. Put it terms of life. Wait. God will add these things in its appropriate time. Wait. That's how our forefathers lived. They waited. Ask my mother. We bought our first refrigerator after they retired. Not while they were walking. They had to choose a fridge or educate their children. They chose education. A TV or educate the children. Children, not TV. TV was bought after my father retired. Fridge was bought after my father retired. They waited. They didn't rush. Because they had to make their decisions very clearly. With a little of the Christian ethos they had, they made quality decisions. Next generation just blows it away. Blows it away. Wait. If I had not believed in the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, I would not have waited. Believe God is good. Believe he has the best for you. Believe that if you put him first, everything that you need in his life, you have the word of Jesus Christ underlined in red letters, I will add all these things which you need in this life. Wait. 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 If you wait, you will eat the best of the land, the good of the land, side and that side. And it doesn't matter what you go through. Promise you, by the word that is written, he will be with you. You go to prison, he'll be in prison with you. You go through the fire, he'll be in the fire with you. You go into the den, he'll be in the den with you. That's his promise. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. I will be with you till the very end. So if you didn't understand anything today or forgot everything, remember that one word. Before you make any decision, wait. Seek the face of God. Dad, Dad, what do you have to say? Dad, what do you have to say? You will be so shocked when you start hearing from him that I have a father who has seen the end from the beginning and he speaks and he tells me first, Gabravo mat. Don't fear. Sikar mat karo. Don't be anxious. Don't worry. Don't fear. Don't be anxious. And he will tell you in your language you understand. Mehuna. I'm there, right? Don't think he speaks in King James English. No, he doesn't. He speaks in a language you understand. I am there. I am there. It's a whisper. On Mount Horeb, it's a whisper. It's not, this man has run away. He should have gone into Jezreel. He should have killed uh, Jezebel and changed the history. This fellow ran away. He's so angry. No, nothing. Whisper. Elijah, what are you doing here? 
regret and sorrow in the father's house. I anointed you. I gave you strength beyond man to outrun the chariots of Ahab, to go to Jezreel, finish the work which I had started in you. You quit and ran. Not angry. Not upset. Gentle savior whispering, Elijah, what are you doing here? You goofed up, but you're not finished. It's chance number two. Go back the way you came. Now in this one, this one, this one. Second phase of your ministry is beginning. God always has planned two for everyone who failed. Because he's a father. You failed today? You failed today? He has planned. Plan two may not be as good as plan one, but plan two is there. So don't worry. You missed plan two. Plan one, it's okay. You do plan two. Either way, Lord, my cry is, let me finish your will in my life. David goofed up like no other man. But what is that God says? I have found a man according to my heart who will do all my will. It's said in the new covenant. And David fulfilled God's purpose in his generation and rested with his fathers. Why? Because David knew his God was his father. And his father desired for him to finish well. So shall we stand this morning and tell our father, Lord, I want to finish well. I want to finish well. And I'm willing to wait. Time is in your hands. When you say run, I will run. When you say stand, I will stand. When you say wait, I will wait. He told Philip, run. Philip ran. Then if he walks, he will miss his calling. When he tells run, run. Otherwise you miss your text. Because he ran, he got the text and the message was preached and the man got saved. If he had walked, the text would have been something else. He would have struggled to preach. So when he tells run, run. When he says, walk, walk. When he says, sit, sit. Most important part of the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus said, make them sit down. The Bible says, those who sat down were fed. Sit down. Trust God, what he's doing. I don't understand, Lord. Two loaves and five fish, my life, my resources, you're going to do something I don't understand. But at your word, I will. Sit down. Watch what he will do with your life. Shall we pray? Father, this morning we come to you. We surrender ourselves as a church here online around the world. We church. We will wait. We will believe. We will trust. If we hadn't believed in the goodness of God in the land of the living, we would have perished. We wouldn't have come this far. We would have made carnal decisions according to flesh and the wisdom of man but God would have left us alone. But we just want to thank you. At every turn you were there protecting us, guiding us. We made so many goof-ups but through it all you brought us through. This morning as individuals we stand before you and we say, Father, we surrender. We surrender our lives We surrender the decisions we have to make. All we say is speak to us. Lead us. We know your will is good. It is pleasing. It is perfect. Light our path. Light our feet. We haven't gone this way before. And our eyes are on you. Speak to us daily. Cause us to hunger after you. Cause us a lot to desire after the things of God. Cause us to seek you early. Each day. And the things of life. 
to seek you early. Not to wait until the crisis come, but to seek you early. Today, let's say like the psalmist, early, O Lord, I will seek thee. Let this be a different year for everyone. A completely different turnaround. Let them know that you are good. When God says no, it's because he has something better. Help us to understand the heart of the Father. For he is always good. Thank you, thank you, Father. Be with us through this day, one day at a time. Take us through. Bless your people once again in your name. May the hand of God rest upon them. The hand of power, the hand of might, and above all, the gentle guiding hand of Jesus. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen. Amen. Amen.